Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on all those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this my own podcast. I still pinch myself, but thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. We all love our crime podcasts, our books and TV shows, because that's why we're all here. Uh, Crime intrigues us, it fascinates us, it excites us, and sometimes even worries and concerns us, maybe even frightens us. I think many of us can relate to victims of assaults and attacks because we've been there and done what many assault victims do. Say we've been walking home alone after a night at a pub. We might have had an argument with our partner um, and we've been pissed off for whatever reason. Some nights you just want to go home. You don't want to wait for a taxi. Uh, You're bored. Or you might just need some fresh air. So most of us, I think, uh, would have um, done something similar at some time in our lives. Uh, There's a lot of challenges in interviewing uh, victims of a crime. Just to be able to extract such really vital information from a traumatised and petrified victim um, was often uh, a major accomplishment. And, you know, when you do uh, interview traumatised and petrified victims, there's often bits of their story that the victim can't recollect. There's bits that are missing. There's bits that don't quite seem right. There's bits that are just outright wrong, Uh, bits that are impossible to have happened, bits that just don't make sense. But as a detective, it's sifting through that information and trying to find evidence to determine the truth of what actually happened. And that's what I found 
so rewarding and satisfying and I imagine to other detectives or anyone investigating anything, whether it be a crime or whatever, an investigation was rarely ever served up with all loose ends tied up in a neat package. The victim's behaviour can be so inexplicable because, as I said, their, their recollections aren't in any order and it's often all muddled up together. And, you know, sometimes they don't even have any description of the offender because they were just so frightened. But they might be able to describe the T-shirt that the offender was wearing or the watch they were wearing perfectly. It can go in so many unexpected different paths. And the initial interview with a victim is often really challenging, like trying to help them or uh, to recreate what happened without re-traumatising them. You've got to be so careful of that. Trying to gain their trust uh, to be able to tell you, sometimes particularly with a sex offence, the most intimate, awkward and embarrassing questions about the actual act. Uh, trying to establish rapport with somebody so traumatised is really difficult. Trying to make the victim feel as at ease as possible, it's quite a skill. And also showing patience, uh, understanding, you know, these sort of, uh, compassion and empathy, yes, but it's, it's not easy when you've got to put all this stuff together and then trying to assure the victim that they're safe now. Because obviously the more relaxed the victim is the soon, and the sooner it's reported, the easier it is to obtain the best uh, information because without that information, you can't go forward. And I'm discussing this because recently I read a great book, which is also a podcast, and it's called Unbelievable. It's about the report of a rape of a young girl which no one believed, not her family, not her friends or the police. Because her behaviour wasn't what we've read or been taught to expect and from information from her friends, the detectives dismissed her report as attention-seeking. But what they didn't do was go where the evidence took them. They ignored a lot of it. The young woman ended up being charged and convicted of making a false report to police. But eventually it was discovered that she was telling the truth, but not before they destroyed all the evidence and her life for a long, long time. How would you ever get over that? And I don't think you would. Many parts of the book also infuriated me and it just reminded me of the hurdles that I had to overcome early in my career as a detective because I found that when a rape was reported, I often had to argue and show my disgust at the investigators who continually needed proof that the rape had been committed rather than believing her from the start and letting the evidence speak for itself because every rape victim acts differently. There isn't a template there's no such thing as a textbook rape or as one judge described a rape one time as, quote, a common garden variety rape, unquote. That's here in Victoria. How offensive. A bit like Robert Richter, 
who represented ex-Cardinal George Pell recently and referred to his offending as, quote, plain vanilla offending, unquote. These comments are from people highly educated and representing our justice system. It is ignorant and offensive on so many levels. Rapes committed by friends, by partners, by lovers, by strangers, family members, professionals, the unemployed, teenagers, adults, people with mental illnesses, people with disabilities. But it's also committed in public places like parks, toilets, laneways, nightclubs, cafes, on public transport, in private homes, in offices, on boats, in cars, institutions, in care, hospitals. The victims can be women, men, members of our LGBTIQ community, children, teenagers, babies, the elderly, mentally ill, the disabled from any race and any colour. And the victims often don't react the way that some people expect a victim of a rape to act or feel. I think the because maybe the movies or the, the books we read, I don't know, but we expect them to act traumatised or be traumatised, frightened, looking dishevelled, hysterical, crying, sobbing, screaming, incoherent to you, the point where you can't understand what they're saying, unable to concentrate or answer any questions or and often we expect them or hope that they'll report it immediately. But also they will act, act is the wrong word, they will feel ashamed, they will feel dirty, they feel embarrassed, humiliated and, again, not believed. But victims can act exactly the opposite to that. The victims can be quiet, they can be calm, they can be measured, they can be in control, they tell no one, sometimes they tell everyone, sometimes they tell people days, weeks, months, years later. Many sex assault victims will never tell anyone until they have their own children and the child comes to the age when they are assaulted themselves, that is very common. In those initial stages of um, an investigation, you only get really a smidgen of the information about the offence. That's why we have to keep going back to the victim because as their anxiety and stress decrease, memory increases and they can often remember a lot more detail. Sex offence investigators these days are specialists. They're highly trained in investigative interviewing and brilliant at what they do. But it wasn't always like that. They now do constant courses on behaviour, communication techniques, memory, the phases of memory, how it works, uh, proper questioning techniques, knowing what questions to ask when, knowing what questions to ask without clouding the victim's recollection or subconsciously suggesting an answer. And as I keep saying, often the detail from a victim isn't in order. It can be all over the place. But more often than not, we can put it into some sort of timeline. And that's with the help of all those people we talk to once an offence has occurred, the witnesses, the CCTV cameras, phone records, etc. The challenge of identifying the offender and then working out a strategy 
of when to arrest, where to arrest, who to arrest, who'll do the interview. Every stage is so important. But it's also, this sounds a bit wrong, but it's also really exciting and really satisfying. I've had, I've investigated numerous false reports and, yes, they do happen and for a variety of reasons, but most reported rapes do happen. There's been an unwritten rule for a very long time that a proven false report made by a victim won't go any further. They won't be charged or taken to court because it wouldn't serve any purpose. This is the reasoning, that it wouldn't serve any purpose and that there's a likelihood that they may have some mental health issue and it's a cry for help. But my question to that is, but do we not charge a man with an offence, for instance, because he's suffering a mental health issue? We cannot have one rule for females and one for males. Surely it's got to be the same across the board. False reports are made for a variety of reasons and they're about all sorts of crimes. But I wanted to share with you a couple of investigations um, of a sexual nature because obviously that's the majority of where my experience has been in sex crimes. And it might go some way to explain some of those reasons why people make false reports. Um, And I've been involved in both of these. Uh, it's it's probably uh, like the book Unbelievable all over again. The first one, one I want to share with you was a married lady that came to report that her husband had been raping her over the past few months and his violence was increasing. In the end, we were able to what's called particularise, like individually identify what we call four vaginal rapes and they were harrowing. Um, their relationship had deteriorated due to him drinking a lot and he was becoming more and more abusive and aggressive. aggressive. And she was petrified of him. Uh, she'd fled her home and she was living elsewhere. She'd lived in caravans and on, you know, friends' couches. But she hadn't told anyone for fear of not being believed because her husband was a well-known, loved, reputable local builder, a pillar of society and a really popular sportsman. She'd spoken with a counsellor and they'd actually been to court and she'd been granted an intervention order by the local court. And it took, from my point of view, it took a few weeks of appointments to complete the statement because she worked full-time. But not long after completing the statement, her husband rings me this particular day and he said that there was something he thought I should know um, and he thought I should be aware of because he knows that she had been to see me. And, look, it took a few days to arrange, but eventually I spoke to him and he agreed that his relationship wasn't going well, but he believed it was due to her gambling problem and that she was doing it to eventually seek crimes compensation. This guy to me appeared really genuine and I felt he was being honest but I felt the same way about his wife. But then he played me a recording of her ringing him the previous night and suggesting to him that she come over to his house. And when I heard her suggest to him that she could basically do a sex act for him that he'd never forget, I didn't need to hear any more. 
not only that, but I'd also noted in my diary that I'd got a phone call from her, which I worked out was about an hour before she the phone call she'd made to her husband. And she was telling me how frightened she was of him, how making a statement had made her feel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So much better. And she now felt safer than she had in a long, long time. I asked her if uh, she could come in, and which she did almost immediately. And I asked her if she could explain the phone call to her husband, which I'd heard, and her phone call to me about how scared she was previously because they were obviously conflicting. And she eventually confessed that it was for crimes comp and her gambling problem. The brief wasn't authorised by management for her making a false report, but believe me, it wasn't through my lack of trying. I had no sympathy for her whatsoever for the time that I had wasted, but probably more so what she'd put her husband through. So that's one uh, false report that I've been involved. I, I mean, I have been involved in a fair few, but the other one that really um, sticks in my mind is I was contacted by a grief counsellor and uh, she wanted to bring in a young female victim who she'd been seeing for about four weeks and the victim was talking about a rape of an ex-boyfriend. And 
the grief counsellor said to me that the victim wouldn't see me without the counsellor, without her there. Um, and initially I understood that because that happens a lot. <laughs> you hope that somebody will bring a support person. But what I did notice was that the counsellor was doing 98% of the talking, not the victim. And I had to advise the counsellor that her role there was to support this young woman but not to answer for the victim. But it's funny, but from the minute the grief counsellor and the young woman came in, I had a bit of a niggle in the back of my mind. The history of the the rape was that um, the history that I got, the young woman told me after I told the grief counsellor to shut up, um, apparently this young uh, woman uh, had been going out with this boyfriend for, I don't know, maybe about six months, something like that. But he'd gone away this particular Saturday morning for three weeks. And that this night, this young girl wanted to go to a nightclub uh, with friends for a friend's birthday. And she texted her old boyfriend because he was going, he was going to um, be part, he was part of the group sort of. And she said that if you go, I won't. But in the end, he said, look, I'm going to be there, but surely we can, you know, be civil and just um, not, you know, be near one another and they just avoid one another. So she said that she went to the nightclub. He was there and she still felt a little bit awkward. Um, he had uh, what they call dropped her um, for somebody else and he was now single but she's with this new boyfriend. Anyway, she was up at the bar and he, he was there and, look, he says, can I buy you a drink? Um, and this is her story. And she said, yeah, and she started to feel a little bit funny almost immediately she'd had the drink. From that drink, she recalls nothing after that apart from being in the back of a taxi um, then getting out of the taxi and throwing up on a nature strip somewhere. She has no idea where she was. But what happens is she wakes up, she's in his bed, the old boyfriend, and it's very obvious that they've had sex and they're both naked. And she says to him, like, what's happened? And he says, oh, we had sex. And she did recall one thing at the, during the time and she doesn't recall the sex but she recalled feeling paralysed and she couldn't speak. And she remembers looking at the clock at 4.30. That's all she remembered. The following morning, uh, the boyfriend takes her home. She doesn't tell anyone what's happened. She goes to the doctor on the Monday and she finds out she's got an STD, a sexually transmitted disease but she doesn't tell the doctor about the rape because sex without consent is a rape. But that night she goes home and tells her mum that the ex-boyfriend had raped her on Saturday night. She mentions nothing about the STD to mum, but what they mum and uh, this young girl decide is to just sit on it for a while because they weren't sure what to do. The boyfriend comes home, you know, three weeks later. She tells him... Um, well, because she's got the STD, she tells him, and he encourages her to go to the police. Now, she gives a statement uh, to me, and it was very, very hazy in places, but 
again, that, my famous uh, theory, the parachute theory, um, but considering that she'd possibly been drugged, it was really understandable that she was very hazy in, you know, most, for most of the night, I suppose. But the investigations included speaking to security at um, the hotel, no value. The bar staff, no value. They don't remember anything. I tried every taxi driver, every taxi cab in the area. Uh, they were of no value either. Um, that nobody had attended the address where the ex-boyfriend lived. No taxi driver, I mean. The neighbours of where the ex-boyfriend lived, they were of no value, didn't hear or see anything. Not of her throwing up on the you know outside nature strip, nothing like that. The CCTV footage at the hotel could locate him and her at the bar and they were laughing and talking. Uh, There didn't seem to be any um, angst between them, but the CCTV footage didn't actually pick them up leaving. We spoke to the housemates of the ex-boyfriend where he lived and they said, oh, they'd had breakfast and, you know, seemed happy enough. I checked her phone records and I found over 1,200 calls text message and text messages between 8pm on the Saturday night and 8am on the Saturday morning remembering that the rape has occurred or well, she remembers waking up at 4.30am for whatever reason. But during that 8pm to 8am time, there was one and a half hours where there were absolutely no texts or calls and that was between 5.30am and 7am. But obviously 1,200 calls, um, I knew that there was something very wrong. I mean, how could you do that? So I rang Telstra. Obviously there was a problem. But Telstra came back to me and said, no, those records are correct. So what I do is I have to follow up all the calls and all the texts and in all of them that I checked she hadn't told one person that she was unwell she was scared or where she was some of her friends at the pub saw and the friends were very conflicted they it was clear by what they were saying to me that they felt they were um uh, supporting him and not her or her and not him. They were they felt very awkward. But the bottom line is a number of friends said that they saw uh, them kissing on the dance floor. Uh, a couple of friends had seen them kissing at the uh, drinking at the bar. One friend saw the victim slap a girl on the face that her ex-boyfriend was dancing with. She spoke to another friend who said she still had feelings for him. And she called somebody at around 5am and she was very happy. Didn't say where she was. But many said that nothing appeared out of the ordinary, that, you know, she seemed all right. But what there was was lots of evidence refuting what she was telling me. But she never, ever admitted it. And I gave her every opportunity. But what I did do during the interview was... I put all these things to her, but she was stoic and she never, ever, um, um, what's the word? Um, 
she stayed on song with what she had told me. And so during the interview, we I asked her, can you explain that? You're saying that, you know, this happened. Your friends are saying that's happened, like completely opposite. So we ask these days, can you explain that? Um, and she couldn't. She could not explain the inconsistencies that we'd identified. But note the wording that I'm using there. We now say, can you explain that? We're not actually saying, years ago we would have said, I suggest you're lying. What do you say to that? But these days um, we do a different way of interviewing. And so instead of basically saying you're lying, we ask them, can you explain that? It's um, all part of the, these new investigative techniques. Um, but eventually um, I get to, I have to interview the ex-boyfriend because I've given her every opportunity. I've told her about the phone calls um, and I, I know that she, it hasn't happened the way she has said and the evidence proved that, but she was stoic in what she was saying. So I interviewed the boyfriend. Now, normally, um, to arrest somebody for a rape, uh, you would go, it wouldn't matter where they were, whether they were um, at church, whether they were um, teaching in front of a group of kids, whether they're at work on a construction site, it doesn't matter. You go and arrest them. But this time... I didn't want to do that because I believed that uh, I'd believed he hadn't done this, or certainly, as I said, not to the extent that she'd said. So anyway, the bottom line is I ring him, explain who I am, and I said, I don't want to have to come to your uh, workplace. Um, and he just seemed such a, a lovely young man and um, he said, look, should I be speaking to a solicitor? This is all new to me. And he said, I've got nothing to hide. And I suggested uh, due to the seriousness that maybe he should. The solicitor said to him, make no comment. So even though the solicitor had said no comment, he believed he had nothing to hide. So he told us everything. Yes, they'd had sex. It was consensual. And in fact, she had gone to his place on the Saturday night for uh, the Sunday night after the Saturday night and the alleged rape for pizza because they had spoken about maybe getting back together. And again, I could confirm this through phone records. I believed I had enough to charge her. I believe she made the report to cover for having to explain how she got an STD while the boyfriend was away. But the brief was not authorised. I thought it was so unfair because a young man had been interviewed for rape and I can't imagine the lifelong effect that that would have on somebody. To suggest uh, someone of making a false report is an extremely serious um, uh, accusation and you have to be well, I've got here 99.9%, but I would say 110% sure that you have to have the evidence to back it up, not just a whim. And it's also why we stress in Vic Pole training that reading body language um, is an unreliable process when it comes to investigating a crime. Now, that's a bit heavy. Um, 
but I just wanted, for some reason, we don't talk a lot about false reports, but when I read this book, I just, (laughs) there's other instances that I could talk about too, but I've got to um, preface everything with saying that most rapes, the majority of rapes are genuine uh, rapes. Every now and then you have these, but you've got to go where the evidence leads and not on a bit of a whim. Have a good break over Christmas and the New Year. Boy, have we got some fantastic guests coming up. Hope you've enjoyed this and uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a rating and even a review and please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.